There's something about Christmas that has this sense of waiting and anticipation within it because that's, that's how it's meant to be. You see, the moment Adam and Eve sinned and fell, from that point on, all of creation was waiting for the Messiah to come. And now that he has come, we celebrate and we rejoice. But that's why there's this sense around Christmas time. Remember, remember being a kid and all the presents are wrapped under the tree and you just couldn't wait for days, weeks sometimes to open them up? Well, the point is there's this anticipation that, re, that reflects the coming of the Savior of the world. In fact, Galatians 4 says, but when the time, the right time came, he was not early and he wasn't late. God sent his son Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Creation was waiting for the coming of Jesus. And when he came, there was this celebration, this hope, this joy, this expectation of who he is and what he had done. And that's why Christmas is a celebration and a party. And now we wait with that same anticipation and expectation of him coming back again. It's Christmas. And by now, all the Christmas stuff is all up. The lights, the trees, the bows, the presents, and the manger scenes. I would submit to you that the manger scene is maybe the most iconic Christmas decoration of them all. And if you can think of different manger scenes, maybe you have one at your house or you've seen them all the years of your life. They're always everywhere and they're different. Some are plastic, some are metal, some are ceramic, some are made of different kinds of materials, whatever it is, but they're all pretty much the same. There's usually like a barn and a star. And then it's the same set of characters. It doesn't change year to year. If you've ever noticed that it's always the angels and Mary and Joseph, and the wise men, and the shepherds, and baby Jesus. And if you've ever noticed, baby Jesus is always the center of the manger scene. I remember being a kid and like unwrapping the manger scene of my family that that we had in the ceramic one, and we would do it, and we would always play with it. We would put like baby Jesus out in the field. You'd take like Mary, put her in the manger, you know, put the angel where the shepherd was, put the shepherd where Joseph was, and you'd like mix the whole thing up. And someone would always come along and reset it back up because Jesus is supposed to be in the center. And that's why all the characters are always pointing towards him because it's about Jesus. And when Jesus gets out of order, the rest of the thing is out of order. So here's my question for you. How is the manger scene of your heart this Christmas? How is the manger scene of your heart this Christmas? Like has Jesus gotten out of the center and has something else gone in his place? Like it's amazing how easy it is for Jesus to not be in the manger and all of a sudden it's work or a hobby or our spouse or a friend or money or an addiction or an activity or a dream or a desire or social media or whatever it is. All of a sudden something else can very easily take the place of Jesus in the manger. He gets booted out into the field and it's amazing how when that happens everything else in our life starts to become chaotic. I mean, you've heard us say, lots of times we say this, we say, Jesus should sit on the throne of your heart. Jesus should also be in the manger of your heart. That intimate, tender place where everything else in your life is around and focused on him. And so as we prepare for this Christmas, all I want to do today is I just want to take you through the main characters of the manger scene, because each one of them shows us a characteristic of how we keep Jesus in the center. 
Each one of them shows us something about how do we make sure our life and the manger scene of our heart in some way, shape, or form is set up in a way that Jesus stays in the center so everything else in our life can be joyful and peaceful. Because I'm just telling you, when Jesus is out in the field, everything inside the manger gets real crazy real fast. So I'm going to kind of read you some of the Christmas story. We're going to go through the Christmas characters. Parents, if you got kids, this might be a great way for you to teach them a little bit more of the Christmas story. So are you okay with me? Can we just go through those together? These are the main characters of the Christmas story of the manger scene. The first group is the angels and the angels teach us about serving. That if we want to keep Jesus in the center, that's all about serving. And what's fascinating about the angels in the Christmas story, there is more angelic activity around the Christmas story than maybe anywhere else in the Bible. Which reminds us how supernatural the coming of Jesus was. And the angel's entire purpose was to serve God's purpose in the lives of men. I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like in heaven when the time, all of creation, all of creation, including the angels, were waiting The coming of the Messiah. Can you imagine what it would have been like when the father finally said, it's time. And he calls his angels forward. And he says, I want you to go and start telling Mary and Joseph and Zechariah. And I want you to get everything ready and the shepherds and and let's get going. Let's go serve my purposes in the lives of men. Can you imagine if the angels would have looked back and been like, oh man, I'm just busy right now. You know, it's a good idea, but I think, you know, the other angel, you should send him because I'm just not, it's not, no, no. The angels were like, here I am, send me. In fact, here's what it says, Luke 1, 19, the angel answered, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. The angels show up and flat out say, my entire life purpose right now is to serve God's purpose in your life. So I'm here to serve. And because the angels came to serve, Jesus got to stay in the center of the manger. See, what I love about that verse, you have that but better. You don't stand in the presence of God. The presence of God is within you. And you have been sent to tell the world the good news. You have been sent to serve God's purposes in the lives of the men and the women and the students and the children around you. In fact, Jesus says in John 13, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you this example that you should do as I have done for you. If we wanna keep Jesus in the center of the manger of our heart this Christmas, we have to engage in serving the people in our life. So here's the question for you. I'm gonna ask you a question with each one of these. This Christmas, where do you need to serve the people around you? Where do you need to do what they need, not just what you want? How do you need to serve people with your words and your actions and your time and your resources? Like when you go to grandma's Christmas party, you're probably gonna need to serve Uncle Joey who drives you nuts. When it's crazy out there and you're trying to get your last minute gifts and that person in front of you is taking forever at the register, you may need to serve them a little bit. Who do you need to serve this Christmas? Because when you stop serving people, Jesus isn't in the center, you're in the center. With me on that. You're like, I don't like this message anymore. Too bad. Second character is this, is Mary. And Mary teaches us about surrender. 
Mary is probably one of the most fascinating characters in all of the Bible. She's a young teenage girl. She's engaged. She's dreaming about her wedding like every young girl does. She's got it all figured out what the flowers are going to look like and the music she's going to walk down to and what their life is going to be like. She's got it all figured out. And then all of a sudden an angel shows up and everything in her life changes. Check it out. Luke one in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Pause. Can you imagine if the angel showed up in your life and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The cool part is, is you don't have to imagine it because it's true of your life. See, the words highly favored are the same words that are used in Ephesians 1, 6 that says to the praise of his glorious grace. The glorious grace of Jesus has made you highly favored in his sight. So guess what? When anyone talks to you, they can say, greetings, you who are highly favored because of the glorious grace of God, the Lord is with you. No matter what's going on or where you're at this Christmas. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, because he's there to serve God's purpose in her life. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Fair question. <laughs> the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child, which is John the Baptist. In her old age, she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Ready? I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. The angel shows up and says, Mary, I'm about to change your whole life. And she says, may it be to me as the Lord has said. In other words, she surrendered. She surrendered her plans and her hopes and her dreams. And she decided that Jesus was Lord and she will follow. You see, if you want to keep Jesus in the center of the manger of your heart, it's all about surrender. You say, surrender what? Surrender whatever you're holding on to. Maybe it's surrendering an addiction, surrendering your finances, surrendering your plans, surrendering your purposes, surrendering the direction that you're going, the thing that you want to do. Sometimes you literally just have to stop and say, Lord, I open up my hands and I surrender. May it be to me as you have said. In fact, Matthew 10, 39, Jesus says, all who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. In other words, Jesus says, until we learn to surrender, we're the ones that are in control. And what I love about Mary is, is that she reminds us of this amazing truth that when Jesus comes into your life, everything changes. See, she's the first person to show us what life was like with Jesus living inside of you. She's the first person to show us that it is literally impossible for Jesus to come into your life and things not change. 
Literally, if you want to say, hey, Jesus is in my life, but I'm still the same as I was, then I don't think Jesus is, is living in the manger of your heart. Because when Jesus shows up and takes over your life, you can't help but go in a completely different direction. He takes over your life. You surrender and you learn to surrender and let go of more and more and more things along the way. And you start walking a life of lordship with Jesus. See, so here's the question for you this Christmas. This Christmas, where do you need to surrender to God? What in your life do you need to let go of and surrender to him? And here's the crazy part. Sometimes we think it's about surrendering bad things or things we shouldn't be holding on to, and that's huge. Sometimes you just have to release, but sometimes you have to receive. See, what Mary says is, may it be to me as the Lord has said. Sometimes the greatest way you surrender is by actually believing what Jesus has said is true about your life. Sometimes that's the hardest surrender, to surrender yourself to the grace and truth of Jesus and say, I really am highly favored and the Lord is with me, not because I feel it, but because he said it. So may it be to me, as you have said. It's amazing how we all want the supernatural, we just don't want the surrender. It's amazing how we want the impossible, we just don't want to do the things that are absolutely possible in our own life. Know what I'm saying? Because she wasn't getting the supernatural without surrender, and she wasn't getting the, with man this is impossible, with God all things are possible, right? She wasn't getting the impossible unless she was willing to do the possible, which was, okay, Lord, let's go. You with me on that? That's Mary. Third character, you got to have Joseph. And Joseph teaches us about trust. Joseph is an amazing dude. I mean, Joseph is sitting there, he's engaged, he's found the love of his life, he's got his life planned out, he's dreaming about what their life is going to look like, he's not so much dreaming about the wedding as much as Mary would have been, we'll leave it there. Joseph is dreaming about the future of what his life is going to look like, he's dreaming about living in this cool little brick house and having little kids and that his kids are going to be the all-star on the Jerusalem giant killer football team. He's got it figured out. School's going to be paid for. They're going to be in practices like nine nights a week. He's got it figured out what his life is going to look like. And then he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. His dream is destroyed. See, we bypass that in the story real quick. We're like, Joseph, bro, Christmas ain't about you. But imagine being Joe. His whole life crumbled in front of him until the angel showed up. Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother married was, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, ready? He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. And he took Mary home and is his wife. And he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph teaches us that if Jesus is going to be in the center of the manger of our life, we have to learn to trust God. 
We have to learn to trust God. And to trust God means you obey God. You, you can't just say, I trust God, but then not change the trajectory of your life. To trust God is to obey God. And what Joseph did in that space was, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm confused. I'm concerned. I'm afraid. I've been heartbroken. But I will trust you. So I will obey you. And I'm not sending Mary away. I will take her. I will lean into this. And I will make sure Jesus comes to do all you have proclaimed and declared that he will do. That's called trust. And I would just submit to you that wherever God was leading Joseph was certainly better than where he had been. And because he was willing to trust and obey, he found himself in this place getting to be the earthly father of the savior of the world. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So here's the question for you this Christmas. Where do you need to trust Jesus? Maybe like Joseph, this hasn't been an easy year for you. Maybe like Joseph, there's a whole bunch of unmet expectations in your life. This is not what I was expecting. This is not what I was thinking. This is not what I was planning. I don't like it. I don't get it. I don't even understand it. The question is, can you choose to say that even if it doesn't make sense, I trust that God is good, kind, merciful, and gracious to me along every step of the way. See, when we don't trust God, we take Jesus and we put him out in the field and we put ourselves in the manger because we're trusting ourselves. Which brings us to the next character and the next character are the wise men. And the wise men teach us about worship and generosity. We always think there were three wise men. The Bible doesn't tell us if there were three wise men, there were just three gifts that they give. And what's amazing about the wise men is they go on this journey of coming to find baby Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. So they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. They then opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. It's fascinating. Some of the wisest men on the face of the earth, they travel halfway around the world and they come and they bow down to a baby in a manger. That's how wise they were. We struggle worshiping the one who died on the cross and rose again. They were so wise, they were willing to worship the baby before he even grew up and proved himself as the son of God and died and rose again. See, wise men and women worship. You were created to worship. Your, your heart, your being, your spirit, you were created. God made you to worship. And here's the deal. If you don't worship Jesus, you worship something else, which is almost always yourself. So when we're not worshiping Jesus in the manger, guess what? We put ourselves in the manger. We send Jesus out into the field and we worship ourselves because we were made to do it. 
And what's amazing, it says, as soon as they come and see Jesus, these wise men bow down and worship him. Why? Because when you see Jesus, you can't help but worship him. You say, what is worship? Worship is turning the affection and the attention of your heart towards something. That's why in every manger scene you see the wise men don't have their back to Jesus. Because they're not worshiping their treasures. They're not worshiping themselves. They're offering their treasures and themselves to Jesus because the affection and the attention of their heart is on him, not on themselves. And as they bow down to worship him, it says they give them gold, incense, and myrrh. They literally give generously, which we've been talking about recently, this whole concept of generosity is the normal response to God's grace. They had an encounter with God's grace, even though it's Jesus in the manger. It's still Jesus, man. It don't matter if he's eight pounds, four ounces, or if he's 30 years old, or if he's the resurrected Christ sitting at the right hand of the father, he still is Jesus. And when you see Jesus and you encounter his grace, you can't help but respond with generosity. And you say, what is the deal with gold, incense, and myrrh? Gold is a gift you give to a king. It's a picture of royalty. Incense represents a sacrifice, an offering that's been given to God. And myrrh was a spice you used as a burial spice to wrap someone up when they died. So gold, incense, and myrrh is a picture of he is the king who came to be an offering on our behalf and died so that we might live. And so what they teach us is, is that if Jesus is going to be in the center, we have to worship and be generous. So this Christmas, so this Christmas, how can you respond with worship and generosity? Because these are responses. You don't create these or initiate these. You respond because of the encounter you've had with God. And some of you are sitting here and you're like, yeah, if Jesus was here, I would give him some of my gold, incense, and myrrh. The good news is, is Jesus is here. And the church is the body of Christ. So when you give your treasure to the church, what you're saying is Jesus is my king. He is the offering on my behalf. He died so that I might live and I want the world to know it. So Jesus, this year, I want to be a wise man or a wise woman. I want to seek you. I want to worship you. And I want to give to you. Which brings us to the last character, and it's simply the shepherds. And the shepherds teach us about mission. The most fascinating thing maybe in the Christmas story, in, in some ways, is that the angels show up to first, first birth announcement is to the shepherds. Shepherds are the least deserving, least expecting people. We all think the shepherds are these cute little boys with the little like, head dresses on and a little staff and a little baby sheep. Ah, you know, like that's what we see in the thing. Shepherds were some rough dudes. They were the lowest of the low. And you know what the shepherds spent their life doing? Raising sheep that were going to be used for temple sacrifices for the forgiveness of people's sins. So if you've ever thought about this, Jesus showed up to destroy their industry. Because in about 33 years, no one was going to have to offer any more sheep for nothing. Because the Lamb of God came to fulfill the final sacrifice once and for all. I'm just saying... Some of us get stressed out when the market changes and we think, Jesus, what are you doing to me? Okay, I'm just saying, Jesus shows up to destroy your industry. He's still good. <laughs> Luke chapter two, here's what it says. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them because he's there to serve God's purpose in their life and says, don't be afraid. 
I bring you good news of great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. He'll be in the center. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds have an encounter with Jesus and their response is to go tell everybody else about it. If you have an encounter with Jesus, it is literally impossible to not tell other people. And so if we want Jesus in the center of the manger of our heart this Christmas, we have to remember that we're on mission, that Christmas isn't about us. I hate to break it to you. It's not about your party and your plans and your tree and your presents and your grandma experience and all that pictures and Christmas sweaters. And it's not. It's about you worshiping Jesus and you telling other people about him. This is the beauty of being a church. We get to come together and create environments together that none of us could create on our own so the people who need to experience how amazing Jesus is can come and have that moment. So here's what I want you to do for a moment with me. Will you just grab your invite that you got when you came in? And if you didn't take one today, maybe you got one in the last few weeks or whatever, can you just raise your hand? Our ushers are gonna come up and down at all of our campuses and they're gonna hand you one. And I want us to take a moment to, by faith, actually engage this. So if you, ushers are going to come up and down. If you just raise your hand, you can get one from them. I want you to actually, for a moment, by faith, personalize this with me. The way we made this this year, come to me with church this Christmas. I want to encourage you right now to, by faith, write one person's name down that you need to invite. One person in your life, family member, a friend, a coworker, there's pens in the seat back in front of you. I literally want to challenge every person in this room to do it. Write their name on it and then write a little note. Hey, Beth, I would love for you to come with me to Christmas this year at Valley Creek. And if you're sitting here and you're not doing it, you're like, I'm going to be out of town. That's okay. Hey, Beth, I'm going to be out of town this Christmas, but I want to invite you to Christmas at Valley Creek. Write a little note, and if you know already what service time you're going to go to, circle it. Say, this is the one I'll be at. I would love to talk to you about this. And if you're sitting here and you're like, okay, bro, wrap it up. I don't want to do it. I would just really challenge you to say, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't sit in heaven and say, okay, Father, wrap it up. Because here's the deal. If you had the cure to cancer and didn't share it with someone else, the world would call that sick. You have the cure to the cancer of the soul. We can't be okay with that, keeping it to ourselves out of pride. Because you don't want to put Jesus out in the field. And get in the manger. You don't fit well in the manger, by the way. Just so you know, it's really uncomfortable. It's small. It's wooden. It's like probably a nail in your back. Jesus, he fits well in there. 
we don't fit all that well in there. And so I want you to do that. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, but I don't see this person. I won't be able to give it to Write it down. Then take a phone picture of it and text it to them. If it's somebody in your life that it's easier to text, then text it to them. You can text it to them right now. Hey, Beth, I'm sitting in church right now and I wanted to invite you. Here's what I wrote down. Would you come to church with me? I mean, have a little bit. What are they going to say? Yes or no? And if they say no, Jesus is in the center of your manger for Christmas. And if they say yes, maybe Jesus gets to be in the center of their manger for this Christmas. Okay. And then I want to push you one little more. And some of you, this one's going to be really hard for you. I want to challenge you to go online to the website and take one of the social media graphics that are there and put it on your social media and invite people to Christmas. Now, some of you just panicked because you're like, bro, that will mess up my personal brand. Okay. If your personal brand doesn't point people to Jesus, your personal brand has a problem. If your social media doesn't influence people to point towards Jesus, it influences people to point towards you, something's wrong with your social media. Maybe the thing you need to surrender this year is your social media and say, God, I'm going to open up my hand and say, I'm going to put this out there, but my personal brand, it might go right down the drain or somebody who's hurting and lost and broken might find Jesus. And here's how it works. In a room like this, we have millions of people that are on all the different social media pages that all of us have access to. So here's what happens. No one else has access to those people. So they get it at least through you. And if they do more people, all of a sudden they see it repeated. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, Beth sees it on your page. And then Beth sees it on this other person's page that goes to a different campus that you didn't even know they were friends on Facebook. And then Beth drives by the campus and she sees the sign. And then Beth is in a Starbucks and she sees one of these things left behind or tacked on a board for her. And all of a sudden Beth is like, oh, it's because my friend posted it on social media. I should tag them and say, hey, are you going to go to what, Tom? Because I would like to come with you. I'm lonely and hopeless and sad and broken this Christmas. That's not what she's going to say, but that's what her heart is saying. And she's just waiting for somebody to invite her. What do you got to lose? I would just submit to you that Jesus makes your personal brand better. She's going to let that sit for some of us at all campuses right now. The kingdom of God should be your brand. See, here's what's amazing. If you could go to the next one for me. This is what the characters of the manger scene teach us about. If we want Jesus to be in the center, serving, surrender, trust, worship, and generosity and mission. But what's even more amazing to me is every one of those characters represented a unique facet. Jesus came to embody them all. Because Jesus came to lay down his life to serve us. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. When Gabriel says what he says, what Jesus got to say, that the angels say different, I am the presence of God and I have come to tell you the good news. Guess what? Jesus is surrender. 
He literally says to the father, Father, not my will, but yours. I have come to surrender my life. And like Mary, he literally gets to say, may it be to me as you have said, because with man, this is impossible. But with me, this is more than possible. Trust like Joseph, Jesus showed up and said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. He became obedient even to death on a cross. He came to trust. And like Joseph, he followed even though it was hard. And then like the wise men, Jesus came to lay down his life and worship, worshiping the father. And he opened up his generosity and gave us his royalty, a living sacrifice and his death so that we might live. He gave us gold, incense and myrrh. And then guess what? Like the shepherds, Jesus came to be on mission to go and tell everyone in this world about who he is and what he has done so that they might be saved. The entire manger scene is a prophetic picture of Jesus. Every character is showing you who the baby in a manger was going to grow up to become. Aren't you glad that every character in that story fulfilled their purpose? This Christmas, let's not pitch Jesus out in the field. Let's put him in the manger and allow the manger scene of our heart to focus in on him. It's going to be a great Christmas. Because Jesus is great. So Jesus, thank you so much for this Christmas season. Thank you for who you are and what you have done. Thank you for the manger scene that teaches us so much about who you are and what you came to do. Lord, thank you that we get to throw a party next week in your honor. You are the guest of honor. It is your party. And we pray that the city would come, that we would have courage to live on mission and invite, that this year we would be like the manger scene. We would literally, like the angels, we would serve. Like Mary, we would have the courage to surrender something right now in this moment. Like Joseph, we would trust that you are good even though we don't understand. Like the wise men, we would turn the affection and the attention of our heart to you and choose to respond with generosity and like the shepherds. May we see this Christmas season as an invitation for mission because people are open to hope and you are hope. We love you, Jesus. This Christmas, may you be in the manger of our hearts. In your name we pray, amen.